Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, I hope that we are able to avert a strike. Um, I'm still optimistic. People who know me well know I'm hopelessly optimistic. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman, and with me is Janice Jackson, the CEO of the Chicago Public Schools, at a time when we are counting down, unfortunately, mm-hmm. to a strike. Yeah. Is there going to be one? Well, I hope that we are able to avert a strike. Um, I'm still optimistic. People who know me well know I'm hopelessly optimistic, but um, I think that we can, a deal is within reach, but we do have a lot of difficult conversations that we have to have with our partners at CTU in order to settle some of these outstanding issues that continue to come up. What's the real hang up? It seems the union is asking for enforceable limits on class size. Yeah. They want you to write into the contract these extra positions for teaching assistants and nurses and counselors mm-hmm. and librarians. And they also want the 30 minutes at the start of the mm-hmm. school day for elementary school teachers to prepare. Yeah. Let's take each one one by one. I'll start with the uh, class size being enforceable. I was a teacher. I know how important it is to have a manageable class. And one of the proposals that we currently have on the table is to increase what we uh, agreed to back in 2016, which is when there is a case of overcrowding in a school that we provide additional resources, more specifically teacher assistance to go in those classrooms and support. One hang up or kind of thing that I want people to know is I think people still have the image of the 1970s where there were these classrooms filled with 40 or 30 kids, uh, you know, uh, over 40 kids seams. busting at the seams. It's no secret that Chicago is experiencing, you know, dramatic enrollment decline. But there are some places where logistically in many of our neighborhoods that are growing really fast, like on the north side, West Loop, South Loop. And then there are sometimes logistical issues that are posed where the classes are a little bit uh, larger. But we are providing additional support by way of teachers assistance. And we have already committed to increasing that amount by 10 million dollars because of some of the issues that the union has raised. With regard to staffing, this is an area where there's great alignment. Now, they keep adding additional staff um, that they believe needs to be in the classroom. But at the core, my understanding is a nurse in every school, a social worker in every school and case managers and support for special ed. I believe that we are rolling these out in a responsible way. We cannot codify everything through the contract. But if we have. Why not? Well, I'll tell you, because once you put it in a contract, these become permissible items to strike over. People on both sides of the table know that there is a nursing shortage in not only in Illinois, but in the country. And couple that with the uh, certification that nurses need in order to work in the school and be members of CTU. This is something that if we put this in a contract today, we're going to be held accountable to get this done uh, when we know that it's going to take a process and creativity to do that. No responsible manager would hamstring themselves and put all of that in a, in a contract and not allow for the flexibility to make sure that we have people in the buildings doing the work 
knowing that there's a shortage. And so I think the social worker piece and the nursing piece falls into that with regard to special education case managers, one of the things that hasn't been talked about is the fact that we still have a lot of vacancies in special ed throughout the district. And one of the things that we saw last year, which one of my first actions as CEO was to increase the number of special ed positions and case managers throughout the city. And we saw a a pretty consistent trend. Once we open all of those positions citywide, many special education teachers left classrooms on the south and the west side of Chicago, went to those openings on the north side, in many cases closest to their home. And so there is a lot of stuff in the background that uh, makes this difficult to just do in one fell swoop. So if you put it in the contract, what is the fear? If you put these enforceable uh, staff mandates in the contract what is the fear that the union would would file grievance after grievance I think I think that's one thing that we're concerned about but I think the bigger issue is the fact that with this contract in particular and I've been around the the table on a few of these it seems like they're trying to get everything in the contract and I just think that we have to do this in a way uh, where we prioritize the things that we know matter the most and I know despite what I hear compensation matters a lot and as a person who worked in a classroom or uh, for five years in a school for 15, I know that the compensation package that we put on the table for teachers and paraprofessionals is really important. But we can't solve all of the problems in Chicago through the CBA. And I feel like that's more of the issue without going through each one of these one by one. We're trying to solve all of the issues in Chicago through the CTU, CPS, CBA. And I don't think that's appropriate. But this is their one crack at mm-hmm. Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Yeah. That's, well, let's get real here. Well, well, I will say, I'm not going to get into the politics around that, but what I will say is that the mayor has been on the job for a few months. I think that, you know, she campaigned with, on a pretty ambitious agenda. I know she's been working earnestly to do that, but to judge somebody on three or four months and to expect them to get everything done in three or four months when you've had mayors with much longer tenures work through that, I think that that's not the right approach. I think that she has made commitments that the public is going to hold her accountable to. She's, I remember when we made the additional positions this summer for social workers and nurses, it was an easy decision. She didn't hem and haw. She she didn't think about, you know, where are we going to find the money? She said to us, Janice, I spoke to these parents. I spoke to teachers. I spoke to principals. We need more support in the schools. Find the money to get it done. And so in this short period of time, I think she has gone above and beyond to show that she's trying to do things differently. Um, and I hope that that works out. I hope that doing the right thing and paying less attention to politics ends up being the right approach with regard to public education. But of course, we'll see how that goes during this process. Would we be here on the brink of a strike if we had Mayor Tony Preckwinkle? That I can't speak to. You would have to ask. Uh, but how much CTU. of this is carryover from the mayoral campaign? Well, you know, I can tell you from the briefings that I get regarding negotiations, those topics are not coming up. I can't speak to the hearts and minds of the leadership at CTU. But you have a feel for it. But, Surely but, you do. But this, this is what I would say on this. I don't know. I think we could possibly be in the same position because some of the things that have been promised or maybe things that they thought they would get if a different candidate had won are things that once you get in and see everything that's going on, some of those things can't happen in the short period of time or requires bringing multiple departments and agencies together to bring those things to bear. And so I don't think this is a political hit on the mayor. That's not my personal opinion. And I don't think Mayor Lightfoot is approaching it that way, although I can't speak for her. But I think that the frustrating piece is that we're trying to get all of these things done, all of these campaign commitments completed 
on uh, the CTU, I mean, with the CBA. And the thing that kind of rubs me the wrong way is that children's lives and futures are hanging in the balance over this because if school is interrupted, no one is talking about the impact that that's going to have on our kids and the academic progress that we're trying to make, in particular, the progress that we need to make on the south and the west side of Chicago. The students in those schools can't afford a disruption. And when I talk to parents and teachers, and, uh, you know, just anybody across the city, people don't want to see the strike. I don't feel like the the feeling is there. I don't think people feel like there is um, a need to do this. And so I'm just hoping that, you know, the more we get concrete proposals and responses from CTU, we can solve some of these issues. We can, you know, come off of our position. Hopefully they come off for theirs and we can compromise so we can get a deal done. They have a larger social justice agenda. They're actually talking about stuff like affordable housing and more community schools. I mean, a lot more community schools. What about the broad of this agenda, yeah. the fact that this is an activist union that's really trying to get some stuff done. Yeah, I think this theme of social justice bargaining or common good bargaining, as they term it, is something that we've seen throughout the country. Um, it's something that could only happen in a place with mayoral control. And I think that's important to point out. If this were a school system where um, you had a school board, you could not negotiate affordable housing with the local school board of a township. It's outside of their purview. And so it goes back to the point that I raised earlier, the mayor is the chief executive of this city and charged with doing so much throughout the city. But we can't conflate all of these issues and put all of this on the, uh, uh, I guess, the backs of our students through this contract. I guess that's what I'm really pointing out. Do I think that it's um, admirable and the right thing to do to lift up these issues? Absolutely. Our teachers know more than anybody the impact that trauma and violence and lack of stable housing, all of these things have. And the 20,000 or so homeless, homeless students. Homeless students, they know what that is. But conflating those issues are what I have a problem with. Take the homeless issue, for example. Chicago Public Schools has been supporting students in temporary living situations for a long time. Are there some things that we could be doing that go beyond that? Absolutely. We work with the Homeless Coalition and others who push us on those policies and we've made those changes. I feel like that's totally within bounds of this contract and and things that we should be talking about. Putting the school system, uh, you know, on hold to address affordable housing, which is a citywide issue, is something that I think is not appropriate. And I think that we should have those discussions. The mayor is working on those things, but I think we're putting things together and just kind of throwing everything in the pot and trying to get it done as the first test of, of this new mayor. But so you think she's being tested? You think, think that's that, what this is? I think any time, first of all, the mayor will tell you she she wants to be successful. And so anytime there is a challenge or something like this, you have to feel like there's a test. But the for, new kid on the block is being pushed to the limit and see how far and see if she caves. Well, let me tell you what I know about Mayor Lightfoot through the short time that we've been together. She is a very principled person. And so if people are looking for somebody who's going to make decisions based on politics and political agenda, and optics. That's not what they're going to get out of this mayor. She is concerned with doing the right thing. She believes she did the right thing. I do too by offering a comprehensive and fulsome offer up front to the teachers. And that's the way she's going to operate. And I believe that she's principled in that way. And, you know, that's what people will learn through this process. Is she, a, is she prepared 
to cave at the last minute to avoid a strike to in desperation that she doesn't want to begin her term this way. That seems to be what the union is counting on. Well, I can't tell you what their calculus is. All I can tell you is that the mayor is a very principled person. She believes she's doing the right thing. I believe she's doing it. And I think we should all remember that she is running. I mean, she's running this city after winning uh, an election where people voted for her and they voted for her agenda. And she feels very strongly that she has to has to do what she set out to do. And I think that so far, so good. Um, I've had an opportunity to work closely with her and watch how she interacts and watch how she makes decisions. And I know she's making decisions based on what she believes is right and not politics. So is she prepared to endure a long strike? She is a strong woman. Mayor Lightfoot has made it clear she does not want to strike. I want to be crystal clear. She does not want to strike. But we are going to do what is fair and responsible to our teachers who do incredibly hard work every single day in schools but we also are going to bargain for a fair contract and a responsible contract that doesn't put cps in the city in uh, further financial peril this is a school system that is hemorrhaging students yeah what is your concern about what a strike would do to that i think that it's funny that you mentioned that because i was having a conversation with um friends of mine who have children who are going into kindergarten and they you know we announced the go cps application process open last week and these are people who follow cps they know the ins and out they have access to me they can ask questions and they're like you know i, I want to go to cps i've been convincing them for the past five years but people are worried when they hear that there's a strike every time a contract negotiation comes up and so I don't say that just because I'm the CEO of CPS I just say it as a lifelong resident of this city as a person with children in this district that people parents want stability they want to know what's going to happen next year they want to know who's going to be teaching their kids they want to know that things are going to be okay and so I know that that's one of the reasons that both Mayor Lightfoot and I want to see a resolution we don't want to see that kind of disruption because a lot of most of the kids that we serve have had that type of disruption in their life um in in other ways and we just don't want to put them in that position but what is your fear about the enrollment effects of a strike i think that any i mean for me we have to get a handle on the enrollment trends that are happening period i won't i can't blame that on um, a strike or a threat of a strike wouldn't it exacerbate it i think that there are a lot of things that come into play we know that there's a mass exodus on the south and the west side due to uh violence and some of the other reasons that residents have spoken out about why they have transitioned. We see fewer people immigrating legally and illegally to Chicago, and we see dramatically low birth rates. So there are a lot of huge issues contributing to that. But I do think stability matters. And if we're going to stave off kind of that dramatic trend, we got to make sure that the people who do live within the Chicago city limits choose CPS. And a big part of that is stability. And a big part of that is making sure that our schools are the schools that are going to provide the support that kids need. And part of that is paying teachers what they need and making sure that they have more professionals in the building, which we agree with. Now, has school closings come up at the bargaining table? You know what? Do they want to guarantee against any more school closings? Well, you know, I'm not going to go down the road of everything we're bargaining against, but that is not one of the top line issues. Don't you have to close schools? You have something like 150 to 200,000 more seats than students. Mm -hmm. And you have some high schools that have a couple of hundred kids. Yeah. 
Don't you have to I think, close more schools? I mean, you've seen us make uh, decisions like what we did in Inglewood. We're working with other communities throughout um, the city to identify ways in which we can, you know, address what's going on in some of these community schools where you have buildings that were built to suit 800 students with less than 200 or less than 100 students in there. But what you want, won't see with this administration, or um, this is something I don't believe in, is widespread school closings like we had um, years ago. We have to work directly. Ones. Exactly. We have to work directly with communities and we have to reinvest. I'm a big believer in that. And reinvestment has to include um, infrastructure, whether that is a new building or refurbishing and re renovation of nice buildings. I know what these communities need and I know what it takes in order to make people feel comfortable and want to stay. And we have to go beyond just some of the the things that we've tried in the past. We have to have strong academic programs. We have to make sure these buildings are clean and new and accessible and modern. And so that's the approach that we're going to take. But we will do this with the community. But it's no secret. We have more buildings and more seats than we have children. And we have to um, work with the communities in order to address that. But what you won't won't see in this administration is widespread school closing. So what we'll see is something like what happened in Englewood. I think big new high school closing three buildings instead, but offering them the shiny new object, not just a shiny new object, but something really new, a new opportunity. If you look at Englewood, which of course I've talked about, I'm really proud of what we had prior to this is beyond the under enrolled schools. We had 93% of the residents in that community going somewhere else for school. We had students in one of the most economically disadvantaged communities traveling the furthest, paying money that they don't have to get to a better option. So number one, it defies this notion about that some people believe about what people in these communities want. They do want a high quality education. And when we build something and put in all the resources that they deserve, like we did at Inglewood, you end up with a freshman class that's overcrowded already. And so we because go they're from, so excited because about they're the so new excited. And so we have to do more of that. And so we are working with other communities um, on the west side and on the south side that are having these conversations. And what I find interesting about it is that we're empowering the communities to have a conversation. The first step is getting them to acknowledge that there is an enrollment issue, which is hard. And then getting them to acknowledge that we do have to figure out consolidation. And what I often hear is we need to do something about it, but don't close my school, which is a realistic um, place to be. But eventually over time, And the more they believe and trust CPS, which is a huge barrier, um, we are able to solve problems. I think Ogden Jenner is another example of how we alleviated an overcrowding issue at one school by utilizing a school next to us. And when we use the community and work with them properly, we win. And so that's what I've learned during a short period of time with the closings and consolidations that I have um, administered. How many more of those Englewood type situations Mm -hmm. will we see? You say we're not going to see 50 at a time, but we need to see about a dozen, don't we? We don't yet have a comprehensive plan for that. What we have done as a first step is to start to Uh, collect the data through the annual regional analysis and socialize that data with communities. This is our, um, we've done it for two years now. We're coming up on our third administration. Um, 
Mayor Lightfoot has made it clear. Our board has made it clear that anything that we do, we have to do it um, with the community. And so I think that once we get the stability that we need with regard to this year, we will be engaging with communities more deeply around um, our footprint and how we solve some of these problems. But but how I, many of those situations do I we need to do? Have? I don't have a number off the top of my head. But I it's got to be able, done on the south and west sides. But, well, it has to be done throughout the city. There are issues in other parts of the city, you know, where you have communities that are right next to each other. Um, uh, Burley is an example of a school that's bursting at the seam, similar to Ogden and some of the others. But there is a school four blocks away that is losing enrollment. So it's not just localized on the south and the west side of the city, but there are patterns throughout the city where we have to address overcrowding and underutilization all at the same time. And so I don't think a piecemeal plan is going to work. I don't want to just start sprouting, spouting off things because we're not there yet. The first step is to really start working with the communities and communities have started to come together with proposals and things that they want us to consider. And um, the board is very interested in having those conversations with the community. What is the contingency plan for a strike? How much money have you set aside? Mm-hmm. And what will you do with your own children? Well, uh, I will not. I, they will go to school. Um, we They're going to go to school I with said, these? No, I said for me, I believe that um, we're going to come up with our own family plan for that. But we will make sure that the schools are open for families who don't have alternative plans. Every school building will be open. We will be redeploying um, CPS and um, central office and non-union staff to go out to schools, especially schools that have more enrollment than we anticipate. But one of the things that I know to be critically important is that not every family can come up with an alternative plan. Most of our families want us to get a deal done. They will be supportive of teachers. How we much ma- money is in this contingency plan? I, I mean, I remember one year you you set aside $25 million for yeah, contingency. I, you know what? I would be making up a number if I said it right now but I'm happy to share that as a follow-up. But we have activated a a task force to do this. We created a website with information about it on um, cps.edu backslash contingency planning. I hope we don't have to use the plan, but we do have a team in place and we do have a plan ready to execute should we need it um, because we know that there are families who may need a safe place um, for their kids to go. Or What about your own kids? Oh, well, I'm not, Where are they going to go? I'm going to have an alternative family plan. They won't okay. attend their school, but um, they will have why an alternative not? If it's, plan. If it's fine, why not? Well, it, I'm saying it's fine for families who need that alternative. Okay, yeah. so I'm not here to but promote. But it's babysitting, really, and, and meals. It's an, it's an opportunity. There are families. Our district is made up of 80% of low-income families. Many of our families are working families who don't have the, the luxury that you and I have where if we take off work, we have benefit days. If they don't go to work, they don't get paid. And so for some of our families, they do need these options. Just like when we have snow days and inclement weather, there are parents who have to go to work, to work in order to keep their jobs and get paid. And so we keep the building open for people who need that alternative planning. What would it cost to agree to all the union's demands? The current proposal that we have from them is about $2.5 billion, I believe. And your proposal is worth how much? Um, Do we know how How much much more, how much extra would you have to spend to to come up with their... to meet every one of their demands. Oh, to meet every one of their demands is yeah. two point five billion. That's two point five billion, yeah. and and that's over and above what your offer. What is your offer? Worth? Um, I don't have the exact number right now, but we do have a fourteen. I mean, a sixteen percent raise. I can get you I the know exact number, that, but, but I, I'm just the, saying how much extra money. Oh, this is probably two billion dollars more really? or more than what we. I mean, the city um, and, and CPS. We are. This is probably just the first 
full year where we've had financial stability. You know that we got um, additional funding th- from the state yeah. uh, that had. And they say, look, you got an extra billion. Spend yeah. it on us. But what they don't, we are spending it on them. 700 of that, uh, or close to that, goes right into pensions to pay for the underfunded, unfunded pension obligation that the district had, as well as our current obligations. And then the other money went directly into schools. It went into the additional social workers and case managers that I talked about earlier. It went into the expansion of pre-K. It went into the expansion of IB and STEM programs. And so we are spending the money directly in the school. Central office isn't growing. We're not beefing up, you know, programs that don't benefit or uh, directly impact students. But this misconception that we somehow got a billion dollars that we're sitting on is just flat out false. We got a billion uh, additional dollars and majority of that goes towards paying for pensions, which is something I believe in. I'm a part of the uh, CTPF. So I want to make sure that that money is there. And I want to make sure that teachers who have worked and given their lives to this district are compensated when they retire. And I'm one of those educators. Is the union overplaying its hand? Do they have the public support this time? They did in 2012, as you know. Well, the way, and I said this earlier, is the question I have to everybody is, is does this feel different? Um, in 2012, they walked into a situation where uh, a raise was being taken away from them. In 2016, we worked directly with the union to convince them to take a contract, given our financial situation, where they probably would have fought for more, but they recognized, rightfully so, that the city and the district was cash-strapped. We have given them a comprehensive offer that takes the average teacher salary from $78,000 to close to $100,000 during the life of so this contract. So are they contract. overplaying their hand? I think, that, I, I think that when we focus on the issues that are permissible to bargain over, CTU has to admit that the proposal that CPS in the city has on the table is a fair proposal. Will you go into court if they choose to strike over some of these extraneous things? I can't speak to that today, but what I will say is that we are standing firm on the things that are permissible to strike over and that we are going to hold them accountable and make sure that we Um, are bargaining in good faith over the things that we should be bargaining over. We're going to continue to have conversations about those common good and those quality of life issues that they want to talk about. We agree with them. This, and that's the other thing that's different. We agree that we need to do all of these things, but I firmly believe that the CBA between CPS and CTU is not the right place to debate those issues. These are larger city issues. I have sat in this newsroom, not this newsroom, Mm -hmm. another building and had my coat on ready to walk out at the, at the brink of a labor dispute with a deadline Uh passed every labor dispute Mm -hmm. goes past the deadline or to the deadline or up to the brink this one feels different what's your gut tell you is it going to happen well I've heard from our partners that they don't want it to go to the brink and you do know that there's an extra step once we reach an agreement with CTU leadership they have a big bargaining team who has to sign off on that and that requires a lot because there's a lot on the table and so my goal is for us to have something that we agree upon in the next couple of days at least two days out from the 17th that will give the union enough time to work with the big bargaining community uh, committee and settle this uh so we'll see. I so think your that gut, what's I, the, what are the chances? I don't have a, I'm not, give me I'm not a gambling person, but I'm still optimistic. So that's okay. where, how I feel. Janice Jackson, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me.